is up, everybody? Welcome back to First on Rundown, where we give you a holistic view of the world of sports. Whether you're a casual fan or an avid fan, this is the place for you. I am your host, your host, Hayden Vozar. Today, I have with me Ishan Kathuria. If you don't remember Ishan, he actually was on the podcast about a year ago, basically to the day uh, for our last mock draft episode for the NFL draft, obviously, coming up on Thursday. And he's back. He's back after a year of being off the podcast. But trust me, he's got... He's got more knowledge than basically anything anybody that I can think of, including myself, about the NFL draft, and that's why I have him on every year for the draft. So that's what we're what we're doing today. You guys might be wondering where Matt is. Uh, Matt decided that he's going to just go come on the Friday episode or the Friday Saturday episode, whichever day we decide to do it, because he was a little bit unprepared for the draft this year. That's not a knock on him. He's been carrying the podcast for the past couple of weeks, and. We already said thank you to him for that last episode, and I'm going to say another thank you to him for that this episode as well because, again, he's 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 carried a huge heavy load for the past couple of weeks uh, just talking about the end of March Madness, talking about NHL, NBA, everything. So kudos to him for that. We're not going to knock him for, for not being as prepared for the draft for this episode. He actually told me, he was like, I'd rather just you and Ishan do it and make it a great episode then me kind of hold the episode down in a way I wanted him to be on the episode, but it is what it is. We are going to be glad to have him back on Friday or Saturday. So that's that again, today is our mock draft episode. This, this episode usually does well. It's usually one of our most listened to episodes throughout the whole year and throughout the whole season of FDRD. So I'm super excited for it. I've got Ishan on the other end of the line here. Ishan, how are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me back. Uh, you know, I I got to be honest, I love draft season almost as much as I love the actual NFL season. Um, there's just so much hope and projection. I don't know how you can't love it. Yeah, for sure. I, I totally agree. I think that I'm getting more into draft, uh, honestly, because of Ishan. Ishan's a huge proponent of that because I before I really started being friends with Ishan, I didn't pay attention to the draft as much. As the NFL season, I still don't. I again, he like I said, he knows a lot more than I do. Um, he goes into a lot more depth than I do about players that are kind of more down the line in their position group. But this year, I actually did watch a lot of film on a lot of guys. I didn't watch film on every single guy that's projected to be in the first round. I have some kind of outliers in the, the deep analysis that I did do and film study that I did do, but. I was excited to do the film study that I did do. I think I did it for like 15 guys ish. So again, not every guy that I did film study for, I'm, we're going to pick or not every guy that we pick. I ha I will have done film study on, but um, it's, yeah, it's, it's going to be a fun time. We're definitely going to go into in depth about some guys more than others. Obviously the first 10 ish, maybe even 15 picks are going to be more, uh, discussed than the last 15 picks or like the last 20 picks. So again, th these first 10 picks, it's almost going to mimic the actual draft where they spend the whole entire first three hour or the, like the first two hours on the first 10 picks. And then the, you know, the last 20 picks of the, of the first round all happen within like an hour to two hours. So it's going to be almost like that. So yeah, hope you guys are excited for it. Let's jump right in to the NFL mock draft. So obviously we've got uh, we've got the whole uh, like the whole order here on, on our dock. We've got the Panthers obviously first. They got the the first pick from the Texans, um, and so 
yeah. So for the first pick, I'm going to go first. It's it's going to be me, then Ishan, and then me with the third pick, then Ishan with the fourth pick, and then so on. So I've got the odd numbers. Ishan's got the even numbers here. Panthers have the first pick. I'm going to go ahead and pick Bryce Young with this pick. Uh, I told Ishan I would because he asked me if I was going to do so before we started recording. That was the only question he asked me. Every other pick from here on out is going to be random. We have no idea who we each other are going to pick, so that's going to add to the fun of it. Um, it's going to be a little, a little bit of a unpredictable episode here, but I'm, I'm going with Bryce Young with the first pick. I think it's pretty self-explanatory. Bryce Young is the highest rated QB in this draft class and the Panthers need a QB and they, they traded up to one in order to get a QB. And also I, I didn't know if I was going to go with Bryce Young because I knew we were going to do this episode. I didn't know if I was going to go with Bryce Young for the, with the first pick until like a week ago ish. And that was when the report came out that after Bryce Young visited with the Panthers, he canceled all of his other visits with NFL teams after that. So he visited with the Panthers and then obviously something was said in that meeting where he didn't need, he didn't feel the need to go to any other NFL team and meet with them before or ahead of the draft. I think this is so obvious that the Panthers are going to go with him. I think the Panthers came out a couple of days later after that report saying that there was no decided decision or there was like no definite uh, decision on Bryce Young yet. And that all those rumors were false that they were going to pick him first, but it just makes logical sense that they would, if that's what happened. And obviously Bryce Young wouldn't lie about canceling all of his other meetings with teams before the draft. So I think it's a pretty obvious pick here. Bryce Young, uh, he, he's a little bit undersized, but he's got all the tools. All, he's got the intangibles. Essentially. He made probably like three total mistakes ever at Alabama. And he's a magician on the field. If you've, if you've watched him, make plays under pressure. I think that's when he's at his best, honestly, under pressure. He's super, super poised. He's always smiling. He never really has a dull moment on the field. So um, playing under under Nick Saban as well, you know, Alabama QBs do tend to be pretty disciplined. Um, they don't have the best track record in the NFL, but I think Bryce Young will probably break that with, uh, you know, being this, this number one overall pick to the Panthers. Ishan, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, if I had to pick, a quarterback in this draft to play one game with, or maybe a couple, I'm absolutely going Bryce Young. Uh, I love pretty much every aspect of his game. He reminds me almost of a mini Mahomes or a mini Joe Burrow, just with his ability to create plays off script and then find a receiver down the field. Uh, I've heard comparisons to Drew Brees, but I really think that his mobility makes him a fairly different player than Brees was. My concern is not necessarily his height, but more his weight. I know he weighed in uh, just over 200 pounds at the combine, but I think it's worth noting that he did not work out at the combine, which makes me think that a lot of his training was just focused on getting that number in, uh, that weight number, and that at that weight, he can't necessarily perform. So don't be surprised if he comes into the NFL weighing 190 pounds, which I think is a big issue in terms of durability, especially if he's going to be playing in a weaker offense with less talent around him. Yeah, I completely agree. He's... Like you said, I mean, he's the most complete quarterback prospect in this class. His weight, like you said, is is a concern because he probably won't be playing at that weight where he was just over 200 pounds um, when he went, weighed in at the combine. Like you said, he didn't work out. So there was obviously some pizza and cheeseburger eating right before he he weighed in. But I mean, hey, if if that's what it takes to get the numbers, then you might as well do it, especially if you're a guy like Bryce Young and you know, even if you don't perform at the combine, you're still going to get picked number one overall. There's literally no reason not to do that. 
Um, so he's definitely going to get back in shape before training camp starts and everything like that. So, um, yeah, I, I think that he'll be good. And that's who I'm rolling with at number one. Ishan, who do you have the Texans picking at number two? Uh, so at number two, I'm going to go uh, Tyree Wilson out of Texas Ooh. Tech. And I, I know Hayden's not going to be happy about this one. Nah. Uh, first, because I'm passing on a quarterback. And also because I'm not taking Will Anderson. And the reason I'm taking Tyree Wilson is not necessarily because I think he's a better player than Will Anderson is. I just think that he's a closer fit to what D'Amico Ryan, the now head coach in Houston, uh, has had on his previous defenses. I've seen and heard a lot of rumors about Houston potentially wanting to pass on a quarterback. Uh, I know that they're not in love with CJ Stroud and they don't particularly want to work with his agent, who is also Deshaun Watson's agent. And Tyree Wilson He's in that mold of a very, very large and long defensive end, uh, kind of like Nick Bosa was for the for the 49ers. I mean, we're talking about a guy who's 6'6", 270 pounds with 36-inch arms. Just physically, he's a monster. Uh, he's fast, he's powerful, and he can really be the cornerstone for this defense. Uh, so that's why Tyree Wilson is going to be the pick here. Hayden, thoughts? Yeah, no, I, I love Tyree Wilson. Again, like you kind of said, I, I was expecting you to go CJ Stroud uh, just because, well, I wanted you to go on a tangent about CJ Stroud because I know you will. Whenever he's picked, I know you will. Um, but I think Tyree Wilson's a great player. I've seen a lot of boards have him ahead of Will Anderson at this point, which I don't I don't really agree with. Once we get to Will Anderson, I'll give my thoughts on that um, just because. I do have some strong feelings about how Will Anderson is being treated by draft analysts and the media in general right now. Uh, but I, I do think that Tyree Wilson, I mean, just, just in pure size measurements, measurables like this guy, yeah, he's huge. He is freakish. Uh, I don't, I don't know if Ishan said it, but uh, yeah, 36 inch arms, meaning that's not even counting his chest. So his, his wingspan is probably up there in like the 84 range, which is absolutely nuts. Um, almost a seven foot wingspan at, you know, six, six. Uh, yeah. He's, he's just a wrecking ball. He he's fast. Um, he can get around the tackle as well. He's not just kind of like a bull rush guy. I love Tyree Wilson. Um, and I think that him going at the second pick to the Houston Texans, which again, I've seen the Houston Texans drafting edge players, whether it's Will Anderson, Tyree Wilson, even like miles Murphy and a couple of them, I've seen them drafting edge players. Um, at this second pick. So I don't, I don't hate the pick by Ishan. And I think that if there's, if there's one player that is going to surprise people in this draft with how early he goes, it's probably going to be Tyree Wilson. So I do like that pick there from Ishan. Uh, moving on to the the third pick with the Arizona Cardinals. This is a tough one because I've seen a couple mock drafts uh, take edge players here. Like I'm looking at one right now that has Tyree Wilson taken here. That's probably who I would have taken if Ishan hadn't picked Tyree Wilson. Uh, so I'm just going to go with the next best edge player and I'm going to go Will Anderson. I think they're going to, I, this is the time I'm going to talk about him. Um, Will Anderson's a guy who basically ever since the start of last season, the start of last college football season, he's been the projected number one pick overall uh, there. You've seen a lot of edge players ranked highly in recent drafts, just because they're so freakishly athletic and they're so important to a team. Um, I mean, we've seen how like, you know, guys like TJ Watt, uh, you, you know, older guys like Von Miller and, and and those types of guys like those guys, they could they take control of games. Um, you, you don't really think of edge guys as being like the leader of a defense. You think as 
you think of the linebackers as being those guys, but I think the edge players are now starting to become that type of guy. And they're starting to fill that role almost where they're the leaders. They are the ones that set the tone on the defense. Um, And so I think that if, I mean, Arizona's in shambles right now. I don't know what they're doing at all. Uh, They still need to figure out that QB situation with Kyler Murray. That's a conversation for another day because I don't, even really know how to attack that conversation right now, especially after his injury. But I think because of that, they're almost worried about trying to rebuild or trying to build up their offense right now. So I think going with Will Anderson is a pretty safe pick here for the Cardinals. Um, Will Anderson, like I said, has been disrespected. I feel like as of recent, a lot of draft analysts are, are ranking him, you know, even in like the threes and fours in terms of edge players. And I don't think that that's fair uh, a lot of people say that like, you know, his speed, his straight line speed isn't really that good. And just kind of his size overall is, is not like the other players and like the other edge players in this class. But if you look at him on film, he is the freakiest of them all, in my opinion. I mean, he runs the pipeline super, super well. He's able to get after the running back from the opposite side of the line when, you know, if, if it's like a power left, he's able to play from the right, you know, the right edge and get to the running back no problem. Um, he's able to track down the quarterback really well. I mean, he moves laterally super, super well. I don't really see a flaw in Will, Will Anderson's game. I think there might've been some, like, I, I can't remember. There, there might've been some kind of like behavioral allegation um, against him, but again, no legal charges like Jalen Carter Carter. So um, yeah, I don't, I don't really see a problem with, with Will Anderson here. I don't know. Ishan, what do you think about, what do you think about my pick? Yeah. I mean, I think, at three, you're really in between Will Anderson or Jalen Carter. I think that we're not doing trades in today's mock draft, but I think that in reality, this could definitely end up being a trade down spot for the Cardinals as their roster has a lot of holes. But I think that Will Anderson could definitely be another guy who really is the core of this defense for a long time. And I know that Jonathan Gannon coming over as the defensive coordinator from the Eagles, he's going to relish the opportunity to strengthen the trenches. In terms of Will Anderson himself, I agree with everything you're saying. I think he's probably one of the safest prospects in the draft and definitely has a high ceiling. I just think that a lot of the reason why he's been falling down draft boards is that the hype was almost too much. I think early in this process, people were talking about him as a generational prospect, which I don't think that's what he is. He's definitely very good. He pops off the screen when you watch him. But what kind of takes him down a notch is I think he's a good, maybe even great athlete but I don't think he's the kind of elite caliber of athlete that would truly classify him as a generational prospect. Yeah. I, I I completely agree with that. Um, Again, I haven't watched like enough of his film to the point where I can make an argument against that. So um, I'm not going to, I'm not going to argue against um, that point about the generational talent thing, but I have seen, I mean, basically everything I read about the draft is saying that, he is the safest pick. And I think if the, if the Cardinals don't trade down, which again, we're not doing trades in this draft either. I kind of forgot to mention that beforehand, but obviously that's, that's what we've been picking like. So we're not doing trades in this draft because then it just makes it so confusing. And it it's, it's honestly like, it's so hard to predict trades that there's just no point in even trying to do it. So, yeah. So that's why I'm, that's why I went Will Anderson at three, but I'm interested to see where Ishan goes at four. Uh, I I have a feeling I know what position it's going to be, but I I would like to see which prospect he, he he chooses here. Yeah. So 
I'm actually going to go CJ Stroud at four. Stroud has had an interesting draft process in the way that it seems he's always, he was challenging for the first overall pick for a long time. He was the favorite after that now infamous pro day clip came out of uh, Josh McCown, the Panthers quarterback coach, telling them that they were going to play basketball together in Charlotte. Um, and then ever since then, he's started to slide down draft boards. And a lot of the reason for that is people aren't enamored with his physical ability or his ability to produce off script. And some recent developments have, I think, further hurt his draft stock. Obviously, the Texans don't seem particularly interested in him. Word on the street is that they are not, and I quote, in love with him. And also, the uh, scores of a test called the S2 cognition test were leaked recently. And for those of you who don't know, the S2 cognition test is a test that is designed to measure the football instincts of a player. And suffice to say, CJ Stroud's score was extremely, extremely poor. Uh, Bryce Young, for context, scored a 98% on this test. Will Levis scored a 93. Anthony Richardson scored a 79. And yours truly, CJ Stroud, scored an 18% on the S2 cognition test. Despite this, I am going to be taking CJ Stroud here because I think that he is by far the most accurate quarterback in this class. He does not miss throws. He has, he's got good arm strength. He's got poise. When he throws the ball, it looks like he was born to do it. Now, going back to the S2 cognition test, you would think that that would be a problem based off of a lot of the criticisms of Stroud during the year. During the year, many people thought that he didn't create off script enough. He didn't really show instincts and that he was best in structure. However, against Georgia, which at this point is essentially an NFL defense, CJ Stroud silenced all the doubters. He was creating plays off script and he nearly knocked off the defending national champions. So I think that we have to take those test results with a grain of salt, but it definitely hurts his draft stock. Okay. Okay. I mean, yeah, CJ Stroud, he's honestly a prospect that I haven't loved even since the season ended. During the season, I didn't love him a lot just because Ryan Day and that offense is, is, is very much like uh, like an Ole Miss offense or like a Tennessee offense where a lot of things are scripted and you don't really have to make many decisions on the on the field at least. You don't have to make in-play decisions um, where, you know, if you if one read isn't there, then you go to the next read. Most of the things on that offense or most of the plays and most of the touchdowns in that offense were scripted and C.J. Stroud just had to throw to one player and if it wasn't there, then maybe he has to go to a second read. But... I do like this pick um, at at four, especially because we've we haven't taken a second QB up until this point, and the Colts obviously need a QB. If CJ Stroud had been picked at two or three, uh, I I would hazard to guess that Eshawn would probably go with either Richardson or Levis here, just because it, it, it's a glaring problem that the, the Colts need to fix. I mean, their QB right now, I think, is uh, the dude out of Texas, or, um, Sam Ellinger. Yeah, Sam Ellinger. Yeah. Like, that's not what you need. So uh, I do like this pick here with C.J. Stroud. He is a really accurate quarterback. He had Jackson Smith and Jigba from some of his career, but I think people, a lot of people forget that Smith and Jigba didn't, basically didn't play at all last season. Um, he did have Marvin Harrison Jr., who's probably going to be one of the highest-rated prospects ever by next year, um, which th that'll be a fun ride to kind of watch him develop this this coming season too. 
But I do think that CJ Stroud is, is a really good pick here. Um, just because again, the, the Colts are, are in need of a quarterback. So that takes us to our fifth pick here with the Seahawks. They're up next, which the Seahawks could go with a QB. I could see them going with a QB here. I think that Geno Smith, obviously he's on the older side. He doesn't really have that many years left in him. I, I don't think, um, but he's, playing like he's in his prime right now. I mean, this past season, we saw him just absolutely explode at the beginning of the season. A lot of people thought that he wasn't going to be able to maintain that success, but he was. So I think for that reason, the Seahawks are going to ride with him and they're not going to go QB this year. Um, I think that they're they're going to wait a little bit to go with a QB, at least in the draft and and for draft purposes. So for for this pick with the Seahawks, um, I have seen... A lot of mock drafts do this um, if Jalen Carter is still on the board. And so I'm going to I'm going to take uh, Jalen Carter with the Seahawks fifth pick here. Jalen Carter is basically I mean, he, he's a generational prospect at this point. He a lot of mock drafts had him going really, really early before the whole legal allegations came out where he was involved in that accident that that killed um, a Georgia player and a Georgia uh, recruiting assistant, I believe it was. But I think that a lot of those allegations are kind of past him. Um, and he he's still sitting on that board pretty early in a lot of mock drafts that I've seen. And the Seahawks need some D-line help. They I can see them going edge here too, but just for the purposes of this draft and Tyree Wilson and Will Anderson both being picked at two and three, I'm going to go Jalen Carter here as an interior guy who's going to make a difference anywhere he goes. Um, I, do, I do think that's, that the Seahawks have a pretty decent defense well, they, they have a, a pretty def- decent, like, young defense in, in terms of guys that are on the younger side that are, are good, but they do still need a lot of help on that defense just to get to that next level um, of, of being a good offense. I Again, I've seen other mock drafts take wide receivers here at this pick for the Seahawks, but with DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett still in that offense, I don't really see a reason why they would go with a receiver, especially since you've got a guy like Geno Smith who's really on the rise later on in his career um, in, in the Seahawks offense. I just think that Jalen Carter is probably the smartest pick here. Ishan, what do you got? Yeah. I mean, I think at least for me around five or six, I couldn't see Jalen Carter falling much farther past this pick. I think it's a great fit culturally. I mean, Pete Carroll, he's that kind of players coach, almost, almost college S coach that I think could really help Carter and make sure he kind of stays on the straight and narrow. Um, obviously he not only had the legal issues, but he came into his pro day, like more than 10 pounds overweight. And he was really struggling to finish that out, which is obviously not what you want to see from a high end prospect and what is essentially a job interview. Um, but in terms of Jalen Carter, the player, when he's dialed in, uh, you can't get much better than, than he is. He, he can really do it all. He can be a three tech, a three technique who's pass rushing. You can move him over as a nose tackle and have him two gap for a little while. He's really the type of player that changes a defense. And obviously, when you look at his position, it's really, really hard to find game changers like Carter at defensive tackle. So if you feel as if you can keep him motivated and keep him out of trouble, Jalen Carter might might be the best player in this draft. Alrighty. I like that analysis there. Again, I didn't I didn't do too much analysis on him because I was focused on guys that I didn't know as well. Ishan pretty he he summed it up pretty well um with with the fact that I mean he just he's a wrecking ball inside he's super strong that that weight or the like the overweight aspect of his pro day is a little bit concerning but 
I don't think it's going to be that big of a deal at the end of the day. I think he's going to be able to get in shape by, you know, by the time training camp comes around and I can, I can definitely see him going pretty early in this, um, in this draft. I also think this is a little bit to add onto this pick. I do think that the Seahawks, again, this is not really a strategy that a lot of NFL teams use in the actual draft. This is a strategy that a lot of fantasy owners do in fantasy drafts, but I'm going to go ahead and say this. I think that the Seahawks are not going to want Jalen Carter to fall to the lions. Uh, I I think if, if Jalen Carter, not, I think I know if Jalen Carter falls to the lions, they're going to take him. So I think the Seahawks are going to take advantage of that. And if he's still on the board, they're going to snag him basically like regardless of whoever else is, is, is on the board. Cause at this point we've still got a lot of other really good players on the board, but I think that they're not going to let Jalen Carter slip to the lions. The lions are going to be absolutely stacked if that happens. So um, yeah, so that's just kind of another aspect to it. Ishan, who you got for the Lions at the sixth pick? Yeah, um, so this is an interesting one. I'm tempted to go quarterback here, but I think that Detroit feels like they're really close to contending in a weak NFC, so I'm actually going to go corner and take Christian Gonzalez out of Oregon. Now, Gonzalez, uh, the best word to describe him is really just an athletic freak. I mean, he's essentially the prototype for an NFL corner. He's 6'2". He's extremely fast. He's very long. He has some of the most fluid hips you'll ever see. And for those of us who are less familiar with the terminology, it essentially means that he can turn and run and get out of that backpedal extremely effectively. What that allows him to do is even if he's late in diagnosing a play or a route, he can still stick to the receiver and really break on the ball. Uh, Overall, just a pretty awesome player um i think he can be a little grabby um but most corners are especially if they played a lot of man coverage in college and that's something that can be coached out of them i think he's a great fit for detroit detroit's really been working on fixing that defense i mean we already know that offense is explosive but they really need help in the secondary especially uh they just traded jeff okuda to the falcons so i still think they're looking for that kind of lockdown outside corner they signed cam sutton who's going to be a good slot corner for him. They have Amani Oruwarie. Sorry, that's a difficult name to pronounce. And he was great two years ago. Uh, he took a little bit of a step back this year, but I think he's probably still a starter. Um, and I think Gonzalez can really help develop that defense into at least a competitive enough unit to allow their offense to win them some games. Yeah, I mean, I, I like that pick as well. Uh, Christian Gonzalez, if, if I was going to pick a cornerback first in this draft, I would have picked Christian Gonzalez as well. Um, he's, yeah, like Ishan said, he's just an athletic freak. He's able to get, you know, sideline to sideline pretty well, um, when he needs to, especially like when defending against the run. Um, I know that's not something that corners do a lot, but I've seen that on his tape a little bit. Uh, he's a pretty good ball hawk too. I don't know if he's the best ball hawk in this draft, but I do think that he's good enough with his ball hawk skills, um, paired with everything else to be able to name him the best cornerback prospect in this draft. So. I, I love that uh, that Christian Gonzalez pick right there. Moving on to the seventh pick, we've got the Raiders at seven. This is a, this is a pretty interesting pick as well. Um, if you guys don't know already, or if you guys kind of just forgot about the news, because honestly, I forgot that Jimmy Garoppolo got signed by the Raiders. Uh, I knew I, rem- I remember that Derek Carr got released, but uh, I, ca- I kind of forgot that Jimmy Garoppolo came around, and uh, he's he's there now. But if you know anything about Jimmy Garoppolo, and if we've learned anything about Jimmy Garoppolo in the past, it's that He's not going to have an easy road to the starting job. Uh, he's kind of just going to be there. And 
if anybody screws up, he's kind of the next guy in line. Right now, he's the starter, obviously, but I think it only feels right to go with the quarterback here, especially with Will Levis and Anthony Richardson still on the board. We know that in this draft, there's going to be probably, there's going to be definitely four quarterbacks taken in the first round, maybe even five. I've seen some mock drafts with five quarterbacks taken in this first round, and I wouldn't be surprised to see three of them go in the top seven here. So I'm going to go as quarterback, and I'm going to go Will Levis. Now, (laughs) I know Eshan's probably chuckling on the other end here because I I am probably the biggest Will Levis hater there is. Um, If Will Levis ever listens to this podcast episode, sorry, dude, but I just, I don't really, I don't know. It's, I'm not, I'm going to bang on the fact that that won't happen, but anybody that does like Will Levis, I don't know what there is really to like about him. Now, the reason I'm picking him at seven with the Raiders is because it seems like every draft analyst and every member of the media is in love with him for some reason. He just, I mean, he has the tools, right? He's like six, three, I don't know, two twenty ish, two twenty five maybe. So he's huge. He's got, I mean, he's got huge arms. He's got a cannon for an arm as well. But we're basically talking about Cam Newton here as well. Uh, you could also compare Anthony Richardson to Cam Newton because uh, he's more of a runner, I would say. But Will Levis, he, he doesn't really have the, the running aspect of his game there, at least not as much as Anthony Richardson. But I do think that Will Levis will be taken in front of Anthony Richardson in this draft because while Anthony Richardson can be a really, really great prospect. I think Will Levis is more of the safer pick um, just in terms of like bust to good ratio um, or like or chances of being good ratio. So I think Will Levis is is probably, um, you know, one of the prospects that I don't want to pick here, but he's going to be the one that I pick here just because, again, I think that NFL GMs have kind of fallen in love with this guy. Uh, I think he's a little bit too cocky. It's great to have confidence and it's great to have a, a chip on your shoulder at the quarterback position. And that's what I think that the Raiders want in terms of a QB competition with Jimmy Garoppolo. I think they want a guy that's going to come in there and that's going to think that he is, is going to believe that he can start day one. Um, that's that's the type of guy that you want in a QB competition, especially with a guy like Jimmy Garoppolo, who seems like he doesn't really give a crap about it. Uh, so I think Will Levis is, is, is probably going to be picked here. But again, I don't like him because he just wasn't that good at Kentucky. He averaged probably like, I don't know, maybe 200 yards and like a touchdown, maybe a touchdown and a half at Kentucky throughout basically his whole career, Um, especially his senior season. He wasn't even that good. Um, And I know that the Kentucky, I I know that Kentucky is in the SEC and they play really good opponents, but even when he plays good, it's especially when he plays good opponents, he just doesn't perform at all. Um, It's just, yeah. In case you were wondering Will Levis and Anthony Richardson, when they played this, they when they played each other this past season, both of them had like 180 yards, a touchdown, and a pick. They basically had the same stat line. These guys are just not that good. Um, but I do think that NFL GMs are are gonna feel that, especially a guy like um, I forget the the name of the the Raiders GM, but especially the Raiders GM thinking that they need a quarterback to to kind of compete with Jimmy Garoppolo. I think they're gonna go with Will Levis over Anthony Richardson here. So I'm a little bit more bullish on uh, Will Levis than Hayden is, as he knows. Um, but so I'll start with the negative. Uh, Will Levis, he's definitely a talented player. My biggest issue with him is he just struggles to make decisions. He's not particularly accurate. And he doesn't show great second reaction ability. And I think that a lot of this kind of goes against the prevailing notion that, oh, Will Levis is this like, huge boomer bust. 
if he hits, he can be like a top two or three quarterback in the NFL. I actually don't think that's true. I think that he's a little higher floor and lower ceiling than most people are than most people think. Most prospects who don't have second reaction ability, it doesn't just come to them in the NFL. So I think it's unrealistic for us to think that he can be a Josh Allen or a Patrick Mahomes or a player like that. I think what he can be, though, is a Ryan Tannehill, which is an athletic quarterback who can excel in structure. And I actually think that he has the potential to be a little better than Ryan Tannehill, maybe around the ninth best quarterback in football. I mean, he's he's bigger than Tannehill. He's around the same speed, I would say. He's definitely stronger and he's got a better arm. So I think he's definitely good enough to be a plus starter in this league. I don't know about elite. And I do share those concerns with Hayden about his personality. It seems almost silly, but this is a guy that puts mayo in his coffee and eats bananas with the, with the peel on. And obviously like this is little stuff, but if that is at all indicative of Will Levis's personality, generally you don't want your quarterback to be a weird guy. Um, and then obviously, like in terms of being cocky, you don't want to turn off other players or coaches. You want to be coachable, um, things like that. But Will Levis is definitely an interesting pick at seven. I think at eight, I'm going to take who I would have gone with if I was Hayden. And I'm going to go ahead and take Anthony Richardson. So Atlanta's in an interesting spot in the way that they're definitely rebuilding. And with a guy like Anthony Richardson, who is developmental, you definitely want to have a bridge quarterback in front of him. I don't know if Atlanta has a bridge quarterback. They have Desmond Ritter, who's still young, and they have Taylor Heineke, who might be good enough to be uh, a bridge. But I think that there's no way Richardson falls out of the top 10. I mean, this is a guy who truly, truly could be the best player in the NFL if he hits. I think he's the most athletic quarterback prospect we have ever, ever seen. We're talking about a guy who's 6'4", pushing 250, running in the low four fours. Uh, this guy's just a freak, not to mention he has a howitzer of an arm. Uh, in terms of weaknesses, there's honestly a lot. Um, he's just, he's not ready to play in, in the NFL. His accuracy is spotty. His decision-making also spotty. Uh, his completion percentage was right around 50%, which obviously is dismal. Um, but he does show flashes of being able to process it at an NFL level. In terms of rosters, Florida was about as bad as you could get in the SEC this past year, so he did not have a lot of help. His receivers were dropping a lot of footballs. But if you turn on Richardson's tape, every once in a while he will flash the ability to move a safety with his eyes or to go through multiple progressions. And when you have a guy who's this athletic with this high of a ceiling, you hang on to any indication that he can play at an NFL level. And I just don't think there's any way he gets out of the top 10. All right. Anthony Richardson at the eighth pick going to the Falcons. I, I don't disagree with that. Again, it was kind of a, it was a choice. I would have gotten Anthony Richardson at seven to the Raiders um, if, if I was the Raiders GM, but I'm kind of thinking of this in terms of what I think the Raiders will do. Um, and that was basically the, the only deal breaker for that was literally the character of Will Levis. And again, since they, if they do draft him, he will be in a quarterback competition with Jimmy Garoppolo. That's the only reason I picked Will Levis here, but I do think that Anthony Richardson would be the guy that I would pick at, at the seventh pick. So Atlanta picking him, um, Ishan, that you having that, I think that that's, you know, a, a very fair pick there. Moving on to the ninth pick, the bears have the ninth pick. They got this from, 
uh, Carolina. I messed up earlier in the in the show and and said that the Panthers or that the Bears have the 12th pick. They got the ninth pick from Carolina. Carolina traded up to number one, and the and the Bears got the ninth pick as a result of that. And I've got the Bears going uh, offensive line here. I think it's pretty obvious that they need help on the offensive line. I would be really surprised if they go with anything other than an offensive tackle at this point, uh, just because if there's no offensive tackle or no offensive lineman taken before now, there's no reason why you shouldn't go offensive tackle. Now the offensive tackle that I am picking here may be a little bit of, of a surprise to most people. It's not Peter Skaronsky. It's not Paris Johnson. It's Broderick Jones out of Georgia. Now you might be wondering why I'm pitching, picking Broderick Jones. This is actually one of the guys that I did a pretty deep film study on. So I'm going to give you a little bit of a rundown on him. He's 6'5", 311 pounds. He looks really, he looks shorter and more stout on film. But if he has this, I mean, if he, if he measured out at 6'5", 311, that's one of the best. I mean, that's one of the biggest guys in the draft. Um, super wide, super stout. But again, if, if he looks more stout than other offensive tackles, it's probably for a reason. Um, so he's probably got some kind of muscly action going on um, down low or up top or both. He looks to be a lot better at pass blocking than run blocking. Um, and in the run game, he seems to be a little bit sluggish at times, but he's really good pass blocking. He has some of the best footwork that you'll see. Um, again, it does he doesn't have any kind of like flashy footwork. He doesn't have any anything that's going to pop out on tape, but he's just really good at swallowing defenders, um, you know, when, when he's pass blocking. He leads a little bit with his head while blocking, but if that hasn't been a problem up to this point, I, I feel like it won't be a problem in the NFL. Um, so I, I think he's going to be, I think he's going to be a great prospect. I think that the Bears need a pass blocker more than a run blocker at this point. You saw Justin Fields last season was just running for his life. And so they need some kind of help on that, especially on that left side. Um, Broderick Jones did play left tackle, I'm pretty sure. So so we'll, we'll see how he turns out. But I do think it's going to be a little bit of a um, – I, I wouldn't be surprised if Broderick Jones goes as the first offensive tackle or the first O-lineman off the board. I think that he fits best into the Bears' scheme and what they need for Justin Fields. Again, they, I don't really think that they need – a run blocker more than a pass blocker. If they needed a run blocker more, I would have gone Paris Jones. Um, but I think that they need a pass blocker more than anything to pr- to protect their offensive star in Justin Fields. So that's why I'm going Broderick Jones. Ishan, how do you think? Yeah, I think uh, Jones is definitely the most high upside of the tackles. And I think if he hits, he's, he's going to be amazing. I mean, he's a, he's a freak athlete. He's in terms of measurables, he's got just about everything that you would want. I think that if the Bears were to pick here, they would be in between Jones and Johnson. I'd say the one major difference between the two, at least in my eyes, is I think Johnson's a little more polished. He's a little more NFL ready. And if the Bears feel like this is a make or break year for Justin Fields, they may lean Johnson. But if they're secure in Justin Fields and their belief that he is their quarterback, I would not be surprised if they decided to take Jones and just let the two of them develop alongside each other. With that being said, let's move on to the, uh, what is it, 10th pick. Yeah, so the te- for the 10th pick, uh, I think the Eagles are definitely in a position to make a luxury selection. And I know a lot of people have had Bijan Robinson slotted here at number 10. That's not what I'm going to do. I'm going to take Devin Witherspoon. 
uh, corner out of Illinois at 10. And in this case, I think it's really just a case of best player available. I love Devin Witherspoon. This is a guy who, first of all, he's about as sticky as they come in terms of corners. He's a great man corner. He's got great instincts. He's like he's spectacular. The biggest concern with Devin Witherspoon is his size. He's about 5'11, 185. But at least when I watched him, I didn't see him have issues getting bullied by receivers. Uh, he's just got the kind of mentality that really wows you when you watch him. Not only is he aggressive in coverage, but he loves to come up and hit, which I think almost any defensive coordinator or head coach would love. The one issue with that, I suppose, would be because of his size, he may get hurt being that aggressive as a smaller corner. But without a large history of injuries, I think he's still a good enough player that you take him at 10. He's every bit as good of a player as Christian Gonzalez. It's just a matter of personal preference for the team, which picks the uh, first corner. Yeah, I I, I like Devin Witherspoon as well. Um, the only thing, and this is another guy that I did a pretty deep analysis of, and it was it was honestly pretty early on in my analysis. Um, so I thought he was six foot, but if he's 5'11", that's not much of a difference, but it kind of does make a difference, especially in the NFL. Um, he's definitely one of the most aggressive and explosive corners I've seen in a while, but he does scare me a little bit in the sense that he over over pursues sometimes. He reminds me a lot of Trayvon Diggs in some ways. Um, in term in terms of when the ball's in the air, he not only over pursues tackles, but I also meant that he over pursues the ball sometimes, which is what Trayvon Diggs does. He tra- he tries to predict a lot. A lot a lot of times he gets caught with his eyes on the quarterback. Um, and again, this is just from film that I watched from like one or two games. So it, it may just be that game that I was watching, but um, I, I do think that he kind of gets ahead of himself a little bit in terms of trying to predict where the quarterback's going to go with the ball rather than just reacting. He's, he's fast enough and explosive enough to make plays in a reactionary sense. So I don't know why he really tries to be the craziest ball hawk there is. Um, I don't know. I, I, I do like Devin Witherspoon as the second quarterback being taken off this board. I would have gone with him as well, but um but yeah, I, I, there's just a, a couple concerns there for me. But I do like the Eagles pick um, being De- Devin Witherspoon because, right, a lot of people have him picking D- B. John Robinson. But I at this point, I don't think that we're going to see a running back taken in the top 10 picked picks of the draft basically ever from here on out unless there is a prospect that's better than B. John Robinson. But I don't think that there's going to be one of those for a long time because B. John, B. John Robinson is basically perfect. So like that pick there with, with Devin Witherspoon. Now moving on to the 11th pick, we got the Titans at 11 and I'm going to go another offensive tackle here. Um, Paris Johnson's sliding here. Cause I'm going to go Peter Skaronsky. Uh Peter Skaronsky is another left tackle. Titans need offensive line help more than anything else. I think at this point, um, and you want to, you want to help out a guy like Derrick Henry as much as you can, especially when Derrick Henry is the star of your offense and has been, for a really long time, they're still t- trying to figure out their um, their quarterback situation, and <clears throat> that scares me a little bit in terms of just going with a guy that may not going with a non offensive lineman here. I think you need to try to protect Malik Willis or whoever's going to be the quarterback in that offense as much as you can at this point, and so you need a guy like Peter Skaronsky who's going to be able to kind of set that base for you for both the running game and the passing game. I did some analysis here on Peter Skaronsky. 
he's he's a solid tackle who definitely swallows defenders at the point of attack. He doesn't really overcommit on a lot of blocks, especially pass sets, which is a pretty good testament to his to his great footwork. But my only concern with Skaronski, and this is literally my only my only concern, is he's a little bit too upright on some of his blocks. So that could get him thrown around or run over by some of the better pass rushers in the NFL. But I don't see that being much of a problem, especially if he gets the right coaching there at, at Tennessee. I think he's going to be a great prospect. He's 6'4", 313, so basically the same size as, as Broderick Jones, um, just an inch shorter, but basically the same weight. I think Peter Skaronski is a, a pretty safe pick here as well. He's just been really, really good his whole college career, and I love him as a prospect. Yeah, um, I think Peter Skaronski is probably the most polished of these three tackle prospects. I will say that Skaronski, another big concern of mine, and I know a lot of people share it, is that he's got short arms for the position. And so a lot of people feel as if he'd be better suited to play at guard. And kind of the prevailing thought process with Skaronski is he'll be a good tackle, but he has the potential to be an all-pro guard. And so that versatility could really help him in a lot of cases uh, with a lot of teams. Or if the Titans are thinking exclusively that they want a tackle, they may decide to pass on him at this point. And just because we've talked about arm length a couple times in this draft, I kind of want to explain a little bit on why that matters. So when you're working in the trenches, arm length and getting that initial punch on the guy that you're lining up against is extremely important. It's very helpful in terms of being able to knock the other guy off balance and getting power underneath your pads and really using that to control the player going against. So for example, if Skaronski was playing a guy like Tyree Wilson, Wilson would be able to get his hands on his shoulder pads much earlier without Skaronski really being able to touch Wilson. And that's going to allow him to essentially control, control Skaronski and giving him the opportunity to win that battle. So that's really the huge concern with Skaronski, but he is a great player. And regardless of whether he plays tackle or guard, he's a fairly safe pick. Yeah. It's great analysis on, on um, how arm length is beneficial to the offensive tackle position. Again, if, if you don't really, delve into that aspect of football as much that's why you're hearing it here i didn't even ask for ishan to explain that but i'm very glad he did because it is it is true like arm length is a huge aspect to the offensive tackle position and i didn't even look into that that much obviously ishan's read more than i have um but i i still think that skaronski is a pretty safe pick here arm length might be a uh concern here and that's kind of i guess that may be a reason why he blocks up high a lot because he's kind of pushed back initially by the longer armed edge edge rushers. So they're able to kind of get him upright. And then it's, it, by the time he's able to get his hands on the defender, he's a little bit too upright and that causes him to get thrown a little bit um, here and there. But again, he's one of the top tackle prospects. He's not going to be, he's not going to be a guy that's going to get thrown around a lot. So um, yeah, that's why I'm going at 11 to the Titans 12th pick Ishan. Go ahead. I think Hayden knows where I'm going here because I was I was telling him earlier today how much I love this guy. Um, I'm going to take the first receiver off the board and I'm going to take Jackson Smith and Jigba. There's really no other way to put it. This guy's just a spectacular player. I mean, he's been projected as one of the top receivers in this draft for the past couple of years now. He was the most productive receiver on an Ohio State offense that featured both Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave. Uh, he's 6'1", 205 with 99th percentile quickness numbers. This is a guy who's going to dominate in the slot. I could easily see him 
breaking a breaking a thousand yards and eight touchdowns his first year in the league. I mean, he's six one, two hundred five. He's faster than pretty much any linebacker, or quicker, excuse me, than any linebacker you put him on. He's going to be bigger than in essentially most safeties and definitely most corners you put him on. He's going to be a matchup nightmare over the middle of the field. And this guy, I, he's just going to dominate. He's going to be a great pick for the Texans. Uh, the one concern that I would have with him is that he doesn't have great long speed. He ran in the mid to late four fives. Uh, but I think if he's in the slot, it's not a huge deal. He also plays on tape much faster uh, than that number would suggest, especially when he has the ball in the hand, when he has the uh, the ball in his hands. I really cannot see any way this guy fails in the NFL. Yeah, I love Jackson Smith and Jigba as, as a prospect as well. I think that he's unanimous, unanimously the top wide receiver pick slash prospect in this draft. I can't really see him being picked below any other wide receivers. At this point, Jordan Addison's pretty much out of the conversation. Um, and the Texans, they they need help a wide receiver. They I've seen some mock drafts pick quarterback here just because Davis Mills is it's like the definition of average. Davis Mills and Mac Jones both. I have a bone to pick with the Patriots on that. But um, that's again, that's for this conversation for a later date. I think that Jackson Smith and Jigba is a really safe pick here for the for the Texans. And I I do see him going to the Texans on a lot of mock drafts. So Kudos to Ishan for for making that pick there. Again, any other guy going here, I'd probably be more unhappy about Jackson Smith and Jigba going here. So um, great pick by Ishan there. Moving on to the 13th pick, the Green Bay Packers uh, just got this from the New York Jets like literally a few hours ago after the Aaron Rodgers trade happened, which I'm really glad that trade happened today. It just so happened that it happened today. We were still going to do this episode even if it hadn't happened, but I'm really glad that it did now that um, now that we have this information for our mock draft. So the Packers are here at 13 and the Jets are at 15. So they just swapped these two first round picks. The Packers used to be at 15 and the Jets used to be at 13. Um, but now it's it's flipped. So the Packers are at 13 now. And I think they are in desperate need of a receiver. Uh, Jordan Love is, is obviously not the quarterback there since Aaron Rodgers left. And so this is really kind of just developed today. I think Zay Flowers is going to go here. Zay Flowers, I he's I think he's around like the third or fourth top receiver pick or the f- third or fourth receiver um pick from, you know, f- from this draft class on average. But if you watch Zay Flowers on film and I actually just watched him again right before we started recording just cuz I wanted to see him play again. Um he's only one he's he's he's, he's only 5'9" 187 I believe. He's like he's in that high 180s range again five nine not many receivers in the nfl have this type of body so we don't really know how to compare him to anybody i'm going to go out on a limb and say that he looks tyreek hill like when he when he runs long routes uh he doesn't go underneath as much as tyreek hill does so he doesn't really do those like same drag routes that tyreek hill does a lot of times tyreek hill will also kind of just run across the field he'll take it deep if he has to he'll keep it short if he has to you kind of just tell him to do whatever and run across the field and he gets open uh i think zay flowers is a a guy that's going to be able to do that but he's also a guy that's going to be able to beat you deep on double moves this guy he might be the most connected player the most connected body i've seen in a while his feet his hips his shoulders his head everything is so connected and intact 
he's a compact guy, so that helps. You know, he's not he's not too tall, so he's not super uncoordinated. But he like everything just looks so in sync, and he flows so well when he's on the field. Um, I think he's a great receiver prospect. I wouldn't be surprised to see him go this high. This may be a little bit of a surprise to some people, um, but I, I'm going to go Zay Flowers here just because Green Bay now has this 13th pick. Um, I think they do need a receiver. Again, a guy that's going to help out a young QB like Jordan Love and you know, really a, a first time. I, I know that Jordan Love started a couple games when Aaron Rodgers has been hurt, but really a first time starter. If you really, I mean, if you put it into the the real context of the word in the NFL, he's, he's basically a first time starter this year. Um, and so I, th- I think that they're going to try to help him out as much as they can with a speedy guy like Zay Flowers, who we can really rely on um, to be a guy that that's going to get open most plays. So I'm going to go Zay Flowers here. Yeah, I love that pick. I'm a big Zay Flowers fan. Um, I know you said he reminded you of Tyreek Hill. He reminds me of one of my favorite players growing up, Antonio Brown. I think they're they're about the same size. And just like Antonio Brown was just extremely coordinated. And you can really tell. Uh, in the way that he runs routes and carries himself on the field. He's going to be a great player, and I think he'll really complement Christian Watson well, as Watson can be the kind of guy that stretches the field, whereas Zay Flowers works more in the underneath and intermediate areas um, areas, and just kind of moves the chains for this offense, which should be really, really helpful for uh, for Jordan Love. With that being said, I'm now going to pick at number 14, uh, Hayden's favorite team, unfortunately. Um, I'm going to go ahead and take Paris Johnson of Ohio State. Paris Johnson, I think, is another pretty polished tackle prospect. Uh, he's very much a finesse guy. Uh, I think the biggest concern with him is power, but he's probably ready to come in day one and be a good pass protector for Mac Jones and that Patriots offense. Uh, I also considered going receiver here, but I don't think this is a particularly strong receiver class. And this is about as far as I've seen Paris Johnson slide at tackle, so I don't think the Patriots would be able to pass up on uh, this sort of value. Uh, Hayden, what do you think? Yeah, I actually love this pick. Um, I've seen a lot of mock drafts take Paris Johnson, especially when he falls this far, when there's two other tackles taken off the board and you got Paris Johnson sitting there at 13, or at at 14, sorry. I would love if the Patriots took him. Um, They do need some O-line help. You know, their O-line has kind of dwindled in the past couple years. They've lost a lot of guys, you know, to trades and everything. And I think in order to give a guy like Mac Jones confidence against, I'm not the biggest Mac Jones fan, so I'm not going to go too in-depth about that. But in order to kind of give him more confidence in his play style and in order to kind of set the tone on Patriots football that we've had, that we've been playing for so long with Tom Brady in the backfield, um, you need an offensive line because that's where it all starts really is, is the protection for the QB. So I love this, this Paris Jackson pick. All right, moving on to uh, number 15. We've got the jets at number 15. This is a pretty interesting pick. Um, they've got a couple needs. I mean, they could, you could go offensive lineman here. You could go uh, offensive tap. I mean, sorry, defensive line here. Um, I don't exactly know much about, the interior D lineman in this, in this um, draft class, other than Jalen Carter, uh, there's obviously Kalaja Kansi, there's Brian Breesey. There's um, this guy named Keanu Benton out of Wisconsin, who I just read up on. Um, I'm going to go Kalaja Kansi here just to be, just to kind of give a safe pick. Um, I do think that the, 
that the Jets interior defensive line needs a little bit of help. I, I can't name a defensive tackle there right now. Um, so that's kind of why I'm, I'm going with this pick again. They could go offensive line, but I think their offensive line is pretty decent. Um, and Makai Becton has been struggling with injury. And I think, I think Makai Becton plays on the right side. So maybe a left tackle would have been better, but we've already taken the top three off- offensive tackle prospects. Maybe a guard would have been better, but I know even less about offensive guards in this draft class. So I'm going with a guy that I know a little bit about. I've seen Kalaja Kansi play at Pittsburgh a few times. I think he's a really good player. He's, I mean, he's got the size to be able to do things, but I think it's kind of, I think it's his, uh, his speed that makes him the best or, or that kind of makes him shine the most. Um, because he's he's just able to get to the QB really fast. So I'm going to go with a, more of an athletic guy, Kalaja Kansi here. Um, Ishan, how do you feel about this? Yeah, so I actually think Kansi fits really, really well with the Jets. Um, they have Quinnen Williams, who's more of a bigger, uh, a bigger defensive tackle. And I think because they have a guy like Leonard Williams, and obviously they're on a 4-3, they already have some edge rushers, they can bring in Kalaja Kansi as kind of a rotational pass rusher. And what that allows him to do is kind of hide his run stopping deficiencies a little bit. Uh, I don't want Kansi has drawn comparisons to Aaron Donald because of like a because of a similar athletic profile. They're, they're pretty much the same size. They're both very fast. They're both very strong. And so that's where a lot of people see that sort of pass rushing upside. But because of his size, he's well under three hundred pounds. I believe he's around two eighty more likely than not, he is going to get bullied on some run plays. And I don't want that to be an indictment on him as a player because as great of a player as Aaron Donald is, because of his size, he also loses on run plays sometimes. But the question with Kansi is, can he use his athleticism to be a good enough pass rusher to offset that? And I think that he will and that he can. And I love this pick for the Jets. I really think it's going to help add a lot of juice to that defense as this roster really fills out. All right, moving on to the 16th pick here. Uh, we've got the commanders picking just a little bit of a heads up. Ishan is actually going to pick 16 and 17 because he's a Steelers fan. He wants to pick the 17th pick. So Ishan's going to take the next two picks with the commanders and the Steelers, and then I'll take 18 and 19 with the Lions and the Bucks. So go ahead with the commanders pick, Ishan. Yeah, so at 16, I think I'm going to end Bijan Robinson's fall. Uh, I, th- I think you know more about Bijan Robinson than I do, but suffice to say, he's a he's a spectacular player, and I think that in terms of fit, he uh, he fits perfectly with the Commanders. It seems as if they're going to start Sam Owl. Um, I think that they have a lot of good young receiving weapons in Terry McLaurin and Jahan Watson. Obviously, that defense, although it underperformed last year, it has talent. So I think that Bijan Robinson can really be that player who can help support a young offense and a young quarterback in their development and hopefully get Washington uh, to a team that's really contending for the division, because it feels as if almost every year they're almost there and they're always mediocre, but a spectacular talent like Bijan Robinson can maybe get them to where they want to be. Yeah, that's a great pick. Honestly, you take Bijan anywhere, you send him to any team and I think he's going to make a difference. So I wouldn't be mad at, Bijan going basically anywhere in this draft. Um, again, I just by the trend of what we've seen in past drafts, that's why I said I can't see him going top t- or I not I can't see him going top ten, but I can't see anybody else but him going top ten in terms of running backs from basically here on out. Um, so I I think he's a generational talent as well. He's just he's been the best running back in college football for basically two full years at this point, which is almost unheard of. So 
I like that pick for the commanders moving on to 17 with the Steelers. I'm really excited to see who you pick here. Yeah. So um, obviously as a Steelers fan, I've paid a lot of attention to this pick. Um, I really, really want to go Joey Porter here just because his father was a Steeler. The Steelers love bloodlines and it would be just such a great story to get a corner as good as Joey Porter Jr. is, but I'm actually going to go tackle and I'm going to take Darnell Wright out of Tennessee. And the reason why I'm going to do that is that apparently these Steelers have been calling around um, and I've been looking to trade into the nine through 11 range to go get a tackle, uh, maybe get a guy like Skaronsky or Broderick Jones, which we were just talking about. But because we're not doing trades, I will take Darnell Wright, who is another one of those players who I absolutely love in this draft. He's not an overwhelmingly fast or quick athlete, but what he is is extremely strong and extremely nasty. This is a guy who's a mauler. He wants to punch you in the face every time he steps on the field. And he produced at a high level at Tennessee. He was a five-star prospect uh, coming out of high school. And he gave Will Anderson, I don't want to say fits, but he more than held his own against Will Anderson, who was probably the best pass rusher in college football this past year. Uh, Because of his lack of quickness and more of power-oriented profile, a lot of teams think that he could be a right tackle in the uh, in the NFL uh, rather than a left tackle, but that actually fits perfectly with the Steelers. Um, they'd be able to move their current right tackle, Chuksakorafor, back over to the left side, which is a perfect fit for him as he's more of a finesse player. On the right side, they can put in Darnell Wright and establish him as a more powerful right tackle, um, which really should help this offense and this offensive line establish itself and hopefully help Kenny Pickett uh, make a second-year jump. All right. I like that pick too. Um, I'm not, I'm honestly not even going to say anything because I don't know as much about Darnell Wright. And I also don't want to question your pick for your own team. So I'm going to, I'm going to go ahead and say that's a good pick. Um, on to moving on to the, the number 18 pick, the Lions have a number 18 pick. If you have forgotten, the Lions have had the sixth pick as well. So they've got two first round picks this year, which is going to prove to be really, really important for them because like Ishan said at the beginning of the podcast, we both feel like they're in a win-now situation or they feel like they're going to be in a win-now situation, especially after this draft. So for that reason, I'm going to go maybe a little bit unorthodox here. There's not many great linebacker, linebacker prospects in this draft. The two guys that I'm switching back and forth between are Drew Sanders and Jack Campbell. Drew Sanders out of Arkansas, Jack Campbell out of Iowa. I think the... First of all, the Lions, in terms of just needs on their team, I think linebacker is one of the most glaring problems on their team. They've got, Their offense is fine, uh, and since Ishan took Chris and Gonzalez at six for them, I think this sets them up perfectly to take a linebacker here. I think they've got – I think his name is like Alex Anzalone or whatever. Um, I think they've got him at linebacker, but I think they're going to want another guy that's going to be able to kind of man that front seven, um, especially on that second tier of the front seven at the linebacker position. And just because of size, like purely because of who's bigger here, I'm going to go Jack Campbell. Jack Campbell's 6'5", 250, uh, which is a huge linebacker. I mean, you're talking about a guy that's he's, – he's the same height as a lot of the offensive tackles in this draft, and he's just about 50 pounds lighter, lighter than some of them or than most of them. So um, – I mean, he's got a, he's, he's huge. He's just absolutely massive. So I'm going to go Jack Campbell here again. I didn't do much research on Jack Campbell, but I know he's a really, really solid player. He played at Iowa 
And the only thing that Iowa was good at was defense this year. If you, if you've seen, if, if you've gone on the internet and seen like any kind of football memes, you're bound to see a meme about the Iowa offense. And that's because the Iowa offense could not stay on the field. The Iowa defense was on the field all the time. The basically the only prospect from Iowa that's going to go, that should go in the first round is Jack Campbell here. So I think that the Lions are going to go ahead and take him again. He's just huge. And he was the star of a defense that was always on the field this past year. So I'm going, I'm going Jack Campbell with, um, for, to the Lions here. Ishan, do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah. I mean, I think Jack Campbell, he's kind of that old school linebacker, you know, 6'5, 245. He's going to be a great run stopping in the NFL. I think that in terms of pass coverage, he may have some struggles. I know that a lot of people had concerns about his play speed on tape. He did run a 4.65 at the Combine, which was a pleasant surprise to some people. Um, so his athleticism is kind of in question. Some people think it's he's a little faster. Some people think he's a little bit slower. I think he definitely has the talent to play uh, to play zone. He's very tall. His reach helps him uh, in terms of pass coverage as a zone linebacker. He's not going to be a guy that you can trust in man coverage, though, because he is so tall and he has such long legs. He's going to have trouble uh, guarding like some of those quicker slot receivers. So, for example, you're not going to line him up. You're not going to line him up in front of a guy like Zay Flowers. He's going to get torn apart. But because of his instincts and his height and his decent speed, he will be able to be a good zone uh, zone linebacker for Detroit. And he's going to pair well next to Anzalone and uh, Malcolm Rodriguez, who was a late round draft pick at the Lions. Uh, we're pleasantly surprised by last year. I think this is definitely a great pick, and um, it should once again help uh, shore up this defense as the Lions try to move into contending territory in a uh, what should be a pretty weak NFC. Alrighty, that takes us to our 19th pick here. Again, I'm going to take the 19th pick since Ishan took 16 and 17, and then we're just going to go back to Ishan taking 20 and then me taking 21 and then alternating from there. So at 19, the Buccaneers had this pick. This is a pretty interesting one. Uh, obviously, you know, they've got Baker Mayfield back there um, at QB. If they didn't sign him, I would be a little bit inclined to take a QB here. Um, but with obviously with the first four, four QBs gone and Hendon Hooker being really the only other guy that I see being drafted in the first round in terms of QB, I'm actually going to go defensive end here. And the reason I say defensive end is because this is this. I mean, th- th- technically he's an edge player, but I'd say he's more of a, hand in the dirt guy. And that's miles Murphy out of Clemson. He's six, five, two sixty eight. Uh, miles Murphy. Like I said, definitely more of a down lineman, more of a hand in the dirt guy, just because of his size. He has really good straight line speed, but he kind of struggles to move laterally. Sometimes I don't know if that'll be a problem that much just because of the speed that the bucks have at linebacker with Devin white, Levante, David, Shaquille bear, like those guys, they've got really, really good speed at linebacker. So I don't know if, the, if, you know, lateral speed is going to be much of a problem on this Bucks defensive front. Uh, he shoots off the line really, really well, really fast. Um, it's almost like a cannon. Uh, he uses his well to get. He uses his hands well to get past blockers, and he fills the B gap really well. And often forces ball carriers outside, which could be a blessing and a curse. If you think about it, if you if you got a, if you're going up against a fast running back. Obviously, for, forcing them outside is kind of what they want you to do. So it's going to be interesting to see how he fiddles with that and how he kind of plays that to his to his strengths or to his advantage um, or to the whole defense's advantage, for that matter. So we'll see how he does in that sense. Um, but again, that's just kind of one thing that I saw 
in his film that looked a little bit shaky was like he's good at containing and he's good at forcing running backs to make a decision. But with that lack of laterals quickness and just overall lateral speed, um, he's just not really able to make the play. He's not able to contain and force the running back to make a decision and then make the, the play after. But again, he's he's a great pass rusher and he's really, really good with his hands. I like him going to the Buccaneers. I think that he's a very Buccaneers-esque player, or a very Buccaneers-esque D lineman. So I'm going Miles Murphy here. Yeah, uh, I think you pretty much covered it. Miles Murphy, in my eyes, is kind of the epitome of pretty good. Like, he's a pretty good pass rusher. He's a pretty good athlete. I think he needs to work on developing a little bit more of a plan. Sometimes he kind of tries his first move, and then it, it seems as if he doesn't really know what he's doing. I will say around this point, I'm not trying to shit on Hayden or uh, act like act like I don't like this pick. I will say around this point, you start to get into guys like around the 20 to 31, 32. You're taking guys who it's kind of up to who's evaluating them on whether or not they're a first round talent. So at least from me, I'm probably going to be a little bit more negative from this point on. But I think that Miles Murphy is definitely a good fit. They definitely need another pass rusher. All right, let's move on to the 20th pick. We got the Seahawks. Right. So for the 20th pick, I'm tempted to go interior defensive line for Seattle. Um, some names to watch over here may be guys like John Michael Schmitz or Osiris Torrance. But I think just in light of positional value, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to go ahead and take Joey Porter Jr. at 20. I think that he's he's kind of that long, strong you know, aggressive corner that Pete Carroll absolutely loves. Uh, the kind of guys who are really the backbone of that Legion of Boom defense. And I think that if you pair Joey Porter next to Tariq Woolen on the other side, they could really be a dynamic duo uh, and getting that secondary back to what it used to be. Uh, just everything about him from his competitive, from his competitiveness to his strength is going to be the kind of thing that Pete Carroll absolutely loves. He's just, he's just a great player. I know I just said I was going to be slightly more negative, but Joey Porter Jr. was one of those players who I had as kind of a first-round talent, and it just so happens that he slid down in this mock draft. In terms of negatives with him, he's got pretty good long speed. It's nothing crazy, uh, so he may have issues guarding like the Tyree Kills of the world, like those really, really fast burners. Um, he can be a little handsy. Uh, he's an aggressive man corner, but that's something that could be fixed with coaching. Uh, Hayden, what do you think? Yeah, I, I love Joey Porter as well. Um, I'm pretty sure this is a guy that I did some um, some perusing on, maybe not. I think I looked at him for a little bit and kind of just decided that he's a really good player. So, um, yeah, I love Joey Porter Jr. as well. Again, he's kind of that prototype corner that we've seen taken in the early rounds of past year's drafts where he's around that 6-1 to 6-2 zone you know, almost 200 pounds. Um, and he's just a really, really fast, long corner. He looks exactly like a sauce gardener, exactly like a Tyreek Woolen um, type of player. And he played at Penn State, which is a great a, a great school to come out of, um, you know, a Big Ten school that played against teams like Ohio State and Michigan and, and, and those types of teams. So I love um, Joey Porter as, as, the, as the Seahawks pick here. Now the 21st pick is the Chargers and – Right now on my like on the list that I have here, I've got the I've got guard as being one of the positions that the Chargers need the most. But I was just looking, I was thinking, and I was like, well, they got 
Rashawn Slater, who I think is, I think Slater's a tackle. Um, and then they got Zion Johnson in last year's drafts, who, who's, who's also a guard. So, Eshawn, can you confirm for me and say that Rashawn Slater is a tackle? He's left tackle, right? Yeah, Slater's a tackle. Yeah, okay. So, I'm going to go here. I'm going to go interior lineman. I think Zion Johnson's the right guard on that offensive line. And they actually took Zion Johnson uh, last year, I believe, in, in last year's draft. I think they're going to go O-lineman again. Um, in this draft, just to tr- just to try to beef up that offensive line for Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert's a guy that he, he's going to go through all of his reads and he's going to try to stay in the pocket as much as possible. I think he's learned that um, in the NFL more than a lot of other players. And so for that reason, I'm going to go Osiris Torrance out of Florida. Again, I did not do much research on my interior offensive lineman for this draft, so I don't know much about these prospects. So I'm kind of just going to go with one of the top guys, Osiris Torrance out of Florida. Um, don't have much to say about him. More just analyzing this from a perspective of what the Chargers need, and that is a left guard. So um, I'm going to go Osiris Torrance here. I don't know if he even played left guard, but I'm going to assume he did. Um, again, I didn't <laughs> – like Ishan said, we didn't do much in-depth research of these guys down here, so um, that's who I'm going with. Yeah, I mean, Osiris – Osiris – jeez. Osiris Torrance. Torrance is um honestly he's he's quite the player. He's kind of the guy who's he's gonna guy who's gonna come in and he's just gonna be an absolute mauler. This guy is huge and he's angry and he's gonna let you know it. The knock on him is he is not a great uh he's not a great athlete. So against like uber athletic uh defensive tackles, sometimes they're just gonna go right around him. But because of his size and because of his aggressiveness, chances are is he's gonna be a really, really good run blocker for a team in the NFL. I will say he is one player who gave Jalen Carter issues when he was at Georgia. So because of that, his ceiling may be a little bit higher than we thought previously, but he's he's a special player. He should be a longtime starter in the NFL. All right, that takes us to pick number 22 with the Ravens. Uh, at 22, I think I'm going to go ahead and take Jordan Addison. The uh, Ravens, their offensive skill positions are lacking, to say the least. I think with Lamar maybe coming back, they're going to want to do as much as they can to really entice them with the weapons that they've put around them. And I think that Jordan Addison, he's, he's really just a true separator. He's decently fast. He's, he's a great route runner. Um, and he's produced in multiple different places. He produced at Pitt with Kenny Pickett. And then he produced at USC with Caleb Williams, of course. He's a little bit slight. He's... He's around 175 pounds, which might be a concern for the Ravens because they have dealt with receivers with a lot of injury issues in the past. For example, Rashad Bateman's been dealing with a lot of injuries, and they just signed Odell, who's not the most reliable um, reliable receiver in the world. But I think at this point, his ability to separate is too much for the Ravens to pass up on. Um, so as long as they're comfortable with his weight and how slight he is, I think that he could really help them try to elevate this offense to the next level. All right. I'm at this point, I'm probably going to not give much in, input on uh, the players that Ishan picks just because we're running out of time or not running out of time, but we're going a little bit over on time at this point. Um, unless I really like a player that Ishan picks, I'm not going to give much input. So yes, uh, like that pick with Jordan Addison to the Ravens though. Moving on to number 23, pick number 23, the Vikings have it. I'm going to go cornerback here, and I'm a little bit torn between who to pick. I think the logical pick here is Deontay Banks out of Maryland, <laughs> but I really want to, um, I don't know, I, I 
there's this guy that I know that both Ishan and I love, and Ishan's actually the one that told me to watch him before I ended up watching him. And so I, I did end up watching him and I fell in love with him. So I'm going to go probably more out of left field here than any other pick in this first round that we have, but it's DJ Turner out of Michigan. He is a cornerback who's 5'11", 178. So he's really, really small. I mean, one of the smallest guys that's going to be picked in this first round or that may be picked in this first round, probably more of a second round guy. But my only concern with this, with this guy is his size. He, he runs a four, uh, four, two, six. So he's incredibly fast. He's as twitchy as they come. Um, and that's basically all you need to know. I mean, a, a guy that's playing cornerback, all you need to, all you really need from, from that type of guy is speed and twitchiness. Um, if you don't know what twitchiness means, it's basically just, it's another way to say explosiveness, but it's more, it's, it's even quicker than being explosive. If you're a guy like Devin Witherspoon, he's twitchy as well, but he's also just, he looks strong on the field. DJ Turner, he may not really look that strong on the field because he, he's just so small, but he looks so twitchy because he just makes sudden movements so easily. And he, he makes it looks really look really easy. So um, he's also a pretty aggressive tackler for his size. Again, he's not going to be a guy that's going to be a bruiser on your defense because he is 178 pounds, um, maybe 180 at on a good day. But I think that DJ Turner, um, of course, again, it's kind of more of a fun pick here, but I can kind of see him fitting into this Vikings defense, especially because Viking, the Vikings need some help corner they've got pat pete but other than that um i know they let go of xavier Rhodes a while ago and other than that they don't really have much much talent at the corner position so i'm gonna go dj turner i know ishan probably likes that pick um maybe not logical again but he's he's kind of more of a fun pick there yeah no i i love dj turner i mean he's he's every bit as fluid as christian gonzalez he might be the fastest player in this draft really the only knock on him is his size but uh, I have a hard time not seeing him become a great player in the league. With that, though, I will uh, make the 24th pick for the Jacksonville Jaguars. I'm going to go Nolan Smith out of Georgia. Uh, we all know how Trent Bulky absolutely loves athletic players, athletic edge rushers. And we saw uh, he took Trayvon Walker last year, and I think that he's going to go and get Nolan Smith, his former teammate this year. Uh, I'm not sure how Nolan Smith would fit into the Jaguars defense just because they do have a couple of pass rushers that they've taken a high in past year's drafts. But honestly, you can never have too many. Nolan Smith, I mean, absolute athletic freak, extremely fast, extremely explosive. He is a little underweight and he's going to have, he's in the 238, 240 pound range. So he's going to have some of the problems that Kalijah Kansi did, um, but just at the edge position. So he may not be as great of a run defender as some other players, but you're banking on him being able to make it up by rushing the passer. So he's a guy kind of like Hassan Reddick, who's hopefully going to get you 14 sacks a year. Um, and on top of that, everything that I've heard is this guy. It's about his high character as they come. He's a team captain. He's the kind of guy that can really be the emotional heart and soul of your defense. And I really think that he'd be a valuable addition to the Jaguars. Yeah, I love that pick as well, especially because, yeah, I mean, he was he was Georgia teammates. Um, so, yeah, Dolan Smith, I, th I think, is a great pick there. Giants have the 25th pick. This is kind of a tough one um, because I've seen some mock drafts pick running back here, um, especially, I mean, I, I haven't seen B. Uh, B. John Robinson fall this far, but I've seen 
some mock drafts where like, you know, where a guy like Javier Gibbs is picked, assuming that Saquon Barkley is, actually does come back and, and gets signed and gets paid because he is holding out right now um, just because he wants to get paid. But I'm pretty sure they did tag him, but he just isn't coming to camp yet or coming to um, coming to workouts. So that's a little bit of an interesting situation, but just to kind of offset that confusion and not have to delve into all that, I am going to go wide receiver and I'm going to go Quentin Johnson here. I don't think that Quentin Johnston is a very good prospect, but I do think that the that the Giants are going to look at him and say, big wide receiver, we need to help Daniel Jones out, and we haven't really had a big wide receiver in a long time. Uh, Qu- Quentin Johnston, or Quentin Johnston is 6'3", 208, so he's a pretty big guy. Um, I'm just not really sold on him, but again, this is about what I think the Giants will do, not what I would do. I wouldn't pick Quentin, Quentin Johnston as a first-round guy, but if you do need a big outside receiver who can make a big play every once in a while, which I, I think the Giants do need, I would say, yeah, go for him. I think he runs around a 4-4, but he, he does catch with his body a lot. Um, and as a, as a result of his size, he's a big target for defenders to light up across the middle, which that can create more drops, especially if he catches with his body. Um, so that's a little bit of a concern for me. Also, for some reason, at TCU, he ran a lot of drag routes which he looked really unstable on. Um, a lot of times he would end up catching the ball several yards behind the line of scrimmage. Maybe that was just Max Duggan leading him behind the line of scrimmage, but I think that's more of a of a faulty route or more of a sign of a faulty route. So I'm not too sold on Quentin Johnston. I just think that for what they need, for what the Giants need right now, and especially with all that confusion at running back, I don't. I think they're going to stay away from running backs, um, especially since Bijan's going to already be taken. And I think they're they're going to try to go for kind of a bigger wide receiver, which Quentin Johnston is is definitely that type of guy in this in this draft. Yeah, I got to agree with you. I'm not the biggest Quentin Johnston fan in the world. I mean, my concern with him is despite his size, he's not really a good contested catch guy at, at all, which obviously not only hurts you in terms of what you can do as an offense because you can't throw it up to such a big receiver, but also it kind of calls into question, at least for me, his mentality. I think when you're that big and you can't go up and get the football, it's it's just a pretty major concern. I think on the high end, just because of his size and speed, his absolute ceiling, at his absolute ceiling, I could see a team maybe trying to use him as a Debo Samuel. Um, but I'm really just not a big fan of this guy. With that being said, at 26, I think I'm going to go the tight end at a Utah Dalton Kincaid. He and Michael Mayer are probably tight end 1A, 1B in this draft. Is again, really a matter of personal preference. But Dalton Kincaid, I'm not going to call him Travis Kelsey because nobody can live up to that. But he's kind of Kelsey-esque in the way that a lot of times he played out of the slot at Utah. And he was just a really silky, smooth route runner. He just knew how to get open. And I think that he's going to be the perfect fit in Dallas as they try to uh, replace Dalton Schultz because he was such an integral part of that offense this past year. They're really going to miss him. And I think that Kincaid is going to be really, really helpful in ensuring that they have another receiving threat behind C.D. Lamb. Yeah, I like Dalton Kincaid as well. Um, again, him and Michael Mayer, yeah, like you said, pretty much interchangeable in this draft. Um, I do, I did do more research on Michael Mayer, so I know more about him. But, I, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. I, I think that Dalton Kincaid is going in more – he's going earlier in more mock drafts this year. So, um, yeah, so that's that's a great pick there. The 27th pick is going to the Buffalo Bills this year. 
This is going to be a tough one. They got James Cook in last year's draft uh, at some point, I guess. So I, I don't think they're going to go running back here. Um, they do need, I think they need help at safety. Um, I think so. It was Jordan Poirier stayed, um, but Micah Hyde left, right? I, I believe Micah Hyde did leave. Um, so I think that they're going to try to go out and get a safety. And in that case, I'm going to take, I don't, I don't know who I should take here because I'm switching between two guys and one is the pick that I think that they would make. And the other is a pick that I would make. Um, and I'm going to, I'm going to make the pick that I would make here because I've been doing the, the opposite for most of the draft. <laughs> and I also uh, talked about this guy before the draft or before we started this, this episode. So I'm going to go Jamie Robinson out of Florida state. This is probably a guy that you have not ever heard of. Um, but I love him as a player. I was watching his film just a little bit ago and he's just, he's a really aggressive tackler. He's, I think he's probably one of the most experienced players in this whole draft. I think he was a four-year starter. Um, I'm not completely sure, but he started something like 1300 snaps in his college career, which is nuts. The other guy is Brian branch. That's kind of the other, well, that's the top safety in this draft, um, by consensus, but I just don't really like Brian branch. He plays more of like a, he plays more down low they almost play him like a um, like a Jamal Adams type guy but he's just not nearly as big as Jamal Adams and he doesn't have the aggressiveness that Jamal Adams has he's a pretty will, pretty willing tackler I would say but he doesn't really have the size he's like six foot uh and close to 200 pounds I'm pretty sure but Jamie Robinson I believe is over I think he's like in the six foot one six foot two range and just over 200 pounds so um, or maybe just under 200 pounds. So I'm going to go Jamie Robinson out of Florida state. I know that Eshan's probably laughing at me right now. Cause it's just way out of left field. But again, it was, it was a guy that I, I saw and that I liked um, pre-draft, you know, pre pre-mock draft. So I'm going to go Jamie Robinson here. He probably will not be picked until like the second or third round, but if that, but um, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to go Jamie Robinson out of Florida state. Yeah. I'm going to be honest. Uh, I'm not a fan of the of the Jamie Robinson pick. Uh, I'm gonna let you edit this out, but my first reaction was, "Who the f- is Jamie Robinson?" I don't know who that is. But uh, anyways, moving on to the uh, 28th pick, I think that the Bengals are in an interesting position. They're another team who kind of is in in a position to make a luxury pick. I'm tempted. I'm very tempted to take Michael Mayer here. Uh, just because he is such a good prospect. But I really feel as if their offense is in a good spot and they don't need a tight end. I think that I'm just going to go ahead and take Brian Branch. Um, he's, a, he's a versatile safety. He he played really, really well at Alabama. I mean, the production was great. I'm not a huge fan of him. Uh, obviously, Hayden just told you he wasn't either. I mean, he's six foot. He's 190 pounds. He's running nearly a 4'6". He runs a 4'5'8". I just don't see the kind of athletic profile in Brian Branch that would allow him to become like a truly dominant defender. But I think that his versatility for Cincinnati um, will help them shore up that defense a little bit. I believe they lost one of their safeties this past year. I'm forgetting who. And it would be great if you could confirm that, but uh, should be a, should be a valuable addition in terms of replacing him. Yeah, actually, uh, I don't exactly know who you're talking about but yeah i think brian branch is a is a good pick here um again i i kind of gave my thoughts on him before so i do think that a lot of nfl gms are high on him so 
I like that as as kind of a, a logical pick here. But for me personally, I just wouldn't really pick him because I don't know if he's the best coverage guy. Um, I think he's more of like a – actually, no, no. Sorry, it's the opposite. He is really good at, like, man coverage and stuff. But um, I think more – I think he kind of struggles more, like, flying to the ball on, on tape, um, which I don't know if you really want that out of a safety either, but – it just wouldn't be it wouldn't be my pick for the or it wouldn't be my pick in general. Um, but I think for the Bengals, yeah, it's it's a pretty pretty fine pick. So moving on to twenty nine here, rounding out the, the the last three picks of the first round, uh, we got the Saints at twenty nine. I don't really know where to go with the Saints here. So again, I'm just gonna kind of throw out a name that fits some of their needs. I think they need some help on that D line, and looking at the interior D linemen right now, uh, I don't really know. Anybody else, or I haven't really done much, um, much looking at anybody else except for Brian Breezy, um, who's who's, who's kind of like the third guy on that interior D line list. So I'm gonna go Brian Breezy here. Um, again, didn't watch much of him. Saw I, I saw some good things. Um, he does. I mean, he's he's huge. He's pretty strong. Um, so he's able to kind of he's able to kind of be like a a, a pretty good run stopper. I think. I think he's probably more well. Actually, again, I don't really exactly know, but I think he's probably more of a um, of a pass rusher. I don't know why I said he's gonna, he's going to be a good run stopper. He's probably more of a of a better pass rusher, um, but he is pretty big. I think he's big enough to kind of hold down that middle part of the of the of the defensive line. So I'm gonna go Brian Breesy here, but again, that's kind of just like a a pick that I threw out there because I don't really know who else they would go with. Yeah, I mean Breesy, he's a um... I, I believe he was the top prospect in his high school class in 2020. He went to Clemson. He was decently productive. I mean, he you definitely saw flashes of his athleticism and how skilled he was. And he definitely has the ability, uh, at least the natural ability, to be a great player at the NFL level. But his his production and just his overall play declined his last year or so um, at Clemson. And he did have a reason for it. He really struggled with the injuries. He was coming off a torn ACL this past year. Um, he dealt with a kidney infection, a kidney infection late in the year. And um, unfortunately, his 15-year-old sister died of brain cancer fairly recently during this past season, which obviously was horrible and definitely um, was most likely a detriment to his performance, as I'm sure he was dealing with quite a bit mentally. But as a player, Brazil, great athlete, definitely has the potential to be something special in this league. Uh, at 30, we have the Eagles back on the clock. And at 10, I considered Bijan Robinson. And at 30, I think because they have such a complete roster, this is another good spot for them to take a running back. And that is what I'm going to do this time. I'm going to take Jameer Gibbs out of Alabama. Gibbs, great player. Um, he's an explosive guy. He's more of a receiving back, kind of in the mold of a Christian McCaffrey, Austin Eckler. Again, I hesitate to heap so much praise onto them because I don't want to like I don't want to adjust expectations to an unrealistic level. But he is more of a receiving back uh, than he is of a than he is a true between the tackles rusher. Um, and that's really the knock on him. I think he's just under two hundred pounds, so he doesn't really have the size or the bulk that's necessary for him to be the workhorse back of your offense. But I think between Jalen Hurts and some of the other backs that they have in Philadelphia. He could really be a dynamic uh, kind of threat in that five to 10 yard range. 
and hopefully break off some big plays and take some pressure off of Jalen Hurts. All right, it's a pretty good pick. Um, yeah, I think that the Eagles, like you said, at the 10th pick too, they have the luxury of doing basically whatever they want. And a guy like Jameer Gibbs, taking him off the board, first round, I think he will be a first-round player. Um, I, there are a pretty few teams that need, that really need a running back at this point because there's so many running back by committees. And I feel like he's going to be kind of thrown into that role a little bit. Um, so I, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised to see the, to see the Eagles take Jameer Gibbs, especially if they don't go with B. John Robinson at 10, which they could very well do that. So I think that they will go with, it's almost for sure that they'll go with a running back with one of these first two picks. So, uh, yeah, that rounds out the 30th pick and then the chiefs had the 31st pick and that'll be the last pick of the draft of the, I mean, of the mock draft that we're doing here. So. For the Chiefs pick, I'm going to have them taking a wide receiver just because I can't really think of many other things that they would need. Um, they might need – I've seen a couple mock drafts have them take offensive tackle, but we've already had four offensive, offensive tackles go off the board, and I wouldn't really know much about a fifth one. Uh, so I'm going to go Josh Downs out of North Carolina here. I think he's a very he's a very Chiefs-esque wide receiver. He's a really speedy guy. He's compact. He's strong too, um, and he, he can make – really spectacular catches if you need him to um, again, he's, he's on the smaller side, but I think he's able to go up and, and get a ball when you need him to, he's not going to be, you know, a jump ball type of guy. But like I said, the chiefs like their smaller receivers that are really fast. You know, that they, they used to have Tyreek Hill. They have Nicole Hardman. Now, um, you know, that they, they just have, I feel like they need a receiver in this offense. That's going to be able to help Patrick Mahomes a little bit more teams are teams have started already started keying in on Travis Kelsey, but they're somehow not able to stop him. Maybe this year will be the year that they're finally able to slow him down a little bit. And so a guy like Josh Downs, I think is going to be, is going to be pretty key on this offense just to kind of bring in and get him some reps early on in the season. And maybe, you know, maybe turn him into like a, a, a sure starter, maybe like a number two guy, number, number three, number two guy towards the end of the year. I think that that will probably be where, what he, what he ends up, especially if he goes to a team like, um, like Kansas city. So yes, that's going to round out the first round of our uh, NFL mock draft, which is where we're stopping it. We're pretty over time here. I think we've taken about maybe even over an hour and a half, which is honestly great that we were able to get in this much, this much content, but yeah, thank you guys for listening. Um, again, I would, I would be really surprised if we have, if we get many of these, right. But I, I'm really happy with how, with how it turned down, turned out. Sorry. I can't even speak right now. Um, Brain is pretty fried, but thank you again to Ishan for coming on this episode. It's always great to have him, you know, the, the annual Ishan episode that we have um, being the mock draft, but it, it's one of the most important episodes of the year. So um, huge. Thank to, thanks to him for coming on. For those of you who are regular listeners, um, we expect another episode to come from Matt and I probably Friday or Saturday. I know that he wants to talk more about NHL and NBA playoffs as do I. So uh, expect that to be out either Friday or Saturday, probably more likely Saturday, but we will see about that. Um, but yeah, we're going to have another episode this uh, coming out this week regarding NBA and NHL playoffs, just giving an update on those and talking out everything that's going around in, in, in those worlds right now. So yes, again, huge thanks to Ishan for coming out um, and, and doing this episode me. with me. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So thank you guys for listening and we will be back with you on Saturday.